Joining us now is our guest for the day, a woman of God who's doing great things for the kingdom. Her name is Prudence Mochumi. She's a facilitator, speaker, mentor, and the founder of Purpose Inspired. She is pushing for kingdom citizens in business spaces to acknowledge God in their day-to-day business. So hopefully, if you are a kingdom citizen on the corporate mountain, on the business mountain, you'll also get some advice today. Prudence, good day, and thank you for joining us here on Elevated. Good morning, and thank you so much for um, the invitation. I'm humbled to be here this morning, and I'm excited to be talking to those kingdom um, entrepreneurs, the business leaders, those who are in the corporate world, because 80% of us are in the corporate world, and um, so I'm excited to be here this morning representing the International Marketplace Summit Ministry that was birthed out of Purpose Inspired. We'll get to um, the conference that you're hosting in November, but later on uh, for those kingdom citizens in business. But let's perhaps start with a bit of your background. You studied at Middlesex University in London, England, and you have a business or an honors degree. You majored in human resource management. That's a bit of what we know about your educational background in as far as business is concerned. But take us back to your upbringing and how you ended up studying in London. Yeah, thank you so much for that. So um, to all the listeners, yes, just to introduce myself in terms of education, I, I was born in Kimberley, Northern Cape in the dusty roads of Kimberley is where I grew up as a child. Um, I finished my matric um, at um, the school there in at the high school there in, in Kimberley, and after that, I had the opportunity to go and study um, in England. And um, you know, I never even thought I would get there. And it was way back in the day when it was a lot of um, rioting um, um, in South Africa. Um, the universities were not functioning very well, and that is really how I ended up in England. If it was okay for me to go to university here, I would have been. But God's plan obviously was different for me. Um, a little bit more about um, I studied um, business, um, so business administration, and that has really set me up for um, doing a lot of the work that I do today with, with business leaders. Um, I've got also qualifications in um, in um, leadership development. Um, I've done some courses in the university in in Accra in Ghana. I also have attended the university in um, Kenya and Kenyatta University. Um, yeah, so I've been a global citizen, really, um, in terms of my learnings. Um, and um, I, and here in South Africa, I've, I've attended GIPS. So I've done a lot of leadership development programs there as well. And I'm currently busy um, because I've recently been appointed as a global peace ambassador. I'm busy also with a master's in um, leadership management and in um, diplomacy so that one knows how to manage yourself when you are on these global stages. Yeah, so that's some of my background. I've also been to Bible school. So I've been to three Bible schools. Um, I have the opportunity right after I finished my honors um, in England, I went straight to the Bible school the, the next year. And I, I always used to think, but Lord, why did I even waste my time in the business school? Because I was born to teach the word of God. So I really didn't understand what the why the Lord allowed me to go to university when I saw that the Bible school is really what I was born to do. So, um, yeah, and uh, as I said, I've been to three Bible schools subsequently. Um, and so, yeah, I was just studying to show myself approved because I knew that God had called me um, for his kingdom. 
Mm-hmm. Prudence, uh, all the way from Kimberley to England and Ghana, as you said, really trotting the world and busy um, being equipped and spreading the gospel all over the world. That must have been quite an adjustment, though. Kimberley to England. <laughs> Talk to me about that adjustment period and what some of the most difficult things are to get used to when you become not only a South African citizen, but as you said, a global citizen. Yeah, so that was, it was quite an adjustment. And um, I remember I'd never been on a plane before when I went to England. I'd never been on a flight anywhere. So um, that flight was about 11 hours. I can't even remember if I ever went to the bathroom. I just (laughs) sat there and hoped that I was going to arrive alive on the other side of the world. Um, so yes, it was an adjustment. I also, what pe- most people don't know, I my schooling was in Afrikaans. So I had then the other challenge of learning English. And that's when I discovered that people learn, um, think in a language. So I had to start to think because I was always translating my thoughts into English. So I had to now um, learn uh, to speak English um, or to do all my subjects in English, let me say that. Um, and um, I re- also remember I became very aware because I was the only black child in the school. So my school where I went, I was um, schooling in Kent. Um, so I was literally the only black child, which ended up being I was the celebrity. People would touch my hair. People would touch me all the time. I was allowed to sit with my coffee in the class because I, I was cold forever. It was snowing. It was sometimes it was so cold that we would go to school and there would be icicles forming on your hair. That's how cold it was where I was. So I wasn't used to that. So it was an adjustment everywhere. The church where I went to, we were the only black family in that community church um, where I got saved. Um, the, the community where we lived, we were five, three black families. Um, one was my, and both of the, the other black kids were my friends, but their families were white. Um, so uh, we were the only black family with parents who were also black. So it was just too many adjustments. Um, in school, just seeing how the schooling was, sitting in the classroom, seeing how the children related to the teachers, talking back. I, I mean, everything was a shock. <laughs> so mm. I, at least I survived that whole experience. So everything was an adjustment. Going to the shopping mall, going to the grocery store, uh, being the only black person in that community again. So I guess um, that was a lot of the things that I had to wrestle with at the time. Um, and yeah, it, it was it was an adjustment. And it helped me though, and it prepared me for the for the global citizen that I am that I am today. Prudence, I hear you talking about going to church even in England at that young age. And um you are coming from Kimberley, where I know there's a very strong Pentecostal movement uh, in Kimberley as well. So perhaps just also talk to us about where your relationship with God really started. Where were you introduced to God as your savior? Yeah, wonderful. So I have always been taken to church. My mom was very strong in church. She was a um, she was a, a you know one of the women in the prayer in the women's prayer group, um, and um, prayer um, um, a movement that they had at the time. So, but we were Lutheran, so we went to church. You know, didn't listen much. I was always sleeping in church as a child. Uh, my mom, I remember we used to have those Easter conferences where we would have big church and all the churches get together and she will carry us. They would be sleeping under the benches um, in the church because we will be going out into outskirts, Uppington, all these other places around Kimberley. And she would just literally, when we get there, she'll put her children there and off they went and did all the church meetings that they were doing. And I never thought anything of these things. So 
fast forward, fast forward many years later, um, I'm now in this um, community church in England. Um, my mom is there again in the church. Um, I was adopted, so I, I have two mothers. Um, and yeah, so I went to church and that's what we did. So as I was going to church, um, and that was now a Pentecostal church, here you hear about solidly getting saved, having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And I remember after some time, I just every Sunday would turn up in church and crying, sitting there crying. And I was thinking like, what is this crying about? So as the Lord was wooing me, I didn't realize it was happening. So I would actually, as I go to church on Sunday, I think today I'm not crying in that church. I mm -hmm. am not. And I'd go to church and eventually I thought, no, uh, okay, there is something here. So I got up one Sunday and gave my life to the Lord way back in 1993. And I've just realized it's 30 years exactly. Oh my goodness. Wow. wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So that was how my journey with the Lord started way back in that community church in Corpus Christians Community Church in England. Um, yeah, in Kent, England. Oh, glory to God. And look at the amazing work that God is doing through you right now. We're going to talk about the um, organization that you started for women as well. But you spoke now, Prudence, about being adopted. Talk to me about that process and 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 what you went through um, throughout this process, what it birthed in you. Yeah, um, that has been a very interesting one because I was adopted in my family, um, but it also then came with the drama and the family feud that then um, <laughs> unfolded. Um, and um, so I, I was with my parents first, so that my adopted parents, was my, who was my uncle and aunt at the time, who up until I finished my matric. Then, as I said, there was um, the universities, there was a lot of, 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 of challenges around that time. Um, in 1992, um, um, three is when I actually went to England. Um, and so, you know, it's just when the when South Africa was going to have a democracy in 1994. So that's why the universities were not functioning. So I then um, I then went over there and I, for the first time, then lived with my mom, my actual biological mom for the first time. So that was a very interesting one um, as an adult child. So I was 18 um, when I went and lived with her. So we had to really get to know one another. Or, she was obviously around all the time. So she was then the aunt. Um, and um, yeah, so that was also interesting to just get used to how things are done differently and also to live with your parents for the first time. Um, and I, I remember many years later, as I was just grappling with this being adopted, the Lord said to me, you know, um, you are chosen is the way that you're looking at that whole experience. That children sometimes when they are adopted, they carry this um, spirit of rejection, um, they're being adopted, not being wanted. And I was adopted at six months old. And so I remember the Lord was then just rewiring me about that and said, but the people who brought you up, your parents, who I called mom and dad, they chose you. Children mm -hmm. who are born into families, you just show up in that family, but you were chosen. And so that's how I want you to look at it. And from that day forward, I realized how special it is that if we look at Israel and ourselves, that we are the adopted ones. That is mm -hmm. how we would look at that today. And that has been really one of the things that just really healed me. From that process, it really just restored the way I looked at myself and restored my identity in Christ. Mm -mm. 
Um, listening to you as we continue to say being a globe, um, global citizen, being a representative of God everywhere, listening to your story, you're talking about your adoption. Um, a lot of these things can cause someone to have imposter syndrome. Sometimes you will find yourself in rooms and you feel like I don't belong here. I'm not worthy to be here. I'm not good enough to be here for whatsoever reason it might be. Uh, Prudence, what would your advice be to somebody who might still be battling with those thoughts of identity that you just touched on with acceptance and with belonging? What would your advice be to them? Yeah. So my advice would be that we really have to be rooted in our identity in Christ. I think, first of all, um, what I see these days, so I'm a reverend. So what I see these days in the church is that we don't really um, get grounded in our salvation experience. So we say up a prayer. Some churches may do a discipleship class and then you are in the church. So then you're in the activity, caught up in the activity of church. You typically would serve in the church or you won't. You will come just to church as a congregation member. And then this could go on for years where you are just there. You are singing. You are listening to the preachings. You are maybe applying the word, not applying the word. You know, many people have different experiences. But what I realized, the missing, the big missing part is that we don't know that you were translated from one kingdom to another. And because people don't know that, they don't then understand that they are now a different citizen. They don't know when the Bible talks about you are now a new creation in Christ Jesus. Imagine if I knew way back then that I'm a new creation. I don't have to struggle with am I adopted? Was I loved? Was I left? Was I abandoned? Was I, you know, was I rejected? If I understood that I'm a new creation in Christ, not a new creation in this family, not a new creation in my in my in my positions, not a new I'm a new creation in Christ. So that would have grounded my identity and I would not have struggled and felt like I'm an imposter. And by the way, I still, when I'm in this global um, um, platforms where I am recently, as I said, I'm, I'm, I'm now global peace ambassador all the time. I think mm-hmm. it's um, people call it the imposter syndrome, but how I show up is with humility to say, Lord, how did I end up here? In, mm. in, in corporations where I sit on international boards of, you know, and I, I'm the only South African, I always ask myself, but Lord, how did I get here? My story does not make sense all the way from the dusty roads of Khalashue in Kimberley all those many years ago. It's just the grace of God. And when God has a plan for your life and you live a submitted life as Reverend Prudence does, then this is the result. God will use you to make disciples and to equip the kingdom. We are talking to Reverend Prudence Mochumi. She's a facilitator, speaker, mentor, founder of Purpose Inspired. And she is really, really advocating for kingdom citizens in business, in the corporate world, and trying to empower us to acknowledge God in our day-to-day business. Now, Prudence, you said earlier that I think it's close to 80% of Christians are in the marketplace. Why is it important, according to you, that we position ourselves on the business mountain and occupy? Um, Yes, typically in the church, um, 80% of us who are sitting there listening to a message on Sunday, we are not called behind the pulpit. So let's say 20% are called behind the pulpit um, to be pastors, apostles, um, teachers, evangelists. And prophets, they are called there, and the, the rest of the 80%, we are called 
to the marketplace. That is where we are going to showcase our gifts, our talents, and our abilities right in the marketplace. As a doctor, as a lawyer, as an HR professional, IT professional, marketing professional, that is where God wants us to be. And I think a lot of us are sitting there thinking, you know, I'm just waiting to preach and I'm waiting to go to the nations and take the gospel. You have an opportunity every day in the marketplace to showcase uh, the gospel right there. And a lot of us don't even have to use <laughs> the scriptures. We have to be the testaments, the epistles that people are reading in the marketplace every day. I, I believe that people don't, uh, churches don't have to have so many outreach programs. <laughs> we're going to feed this, uh, we're going into this community because if everyone in the body of Christ understands that the role for us to play, we would be going out in our marketplace where we have a captive audience. You are in a, in a, in a, um, in a, in a company with a thousand people, you're in a company every day sitting there with 200 people, sitting with 20 people around you who may not be saved. Mm -hmm. So that is your captive audience. So I think um, how it really, the Lord unpacked it for me was the same way that uh, um, I think people are wrestling with thinking about God wants to call us into all, into fivefold ministry. And we don't understand that we have a, a, a place and a space in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. So um, if I could continue, Jenna, so um, many, many years ago, you know, the Lord called me, as I said, I was saved many years ago, and people used to come to our church there in London and keep on prophesying, you are going to be a prophet to the nations, you are going to do this for God. You, And I used to think, what are they talking about? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I just, and my, I think that my calling was so obvious to every person, guest speaker and minister that used to come to our church. They would always call me out, uh, please come forward. I'd be like, oh dear God, not again. Please come forward, oh dear God, not again. So they would always talk about God has called you to the nations. Fast forward many years, although I didn't even understand what that meant. And at the time, I didn't see, we were in pastoral churches, so you wouldn't see prophets operating. So when they even said that, that even confused me more. And I always thought I was called to be a teacher. And that's why I love to go to Bible school. And that's why I've gone to Bible school after Bible school. So it went on and I used to get these corporate roles and I would have very busy jobs um, um, in these multinational companies um, in and outside of South Africa. So I'll be there and I'll be thinking, Lord, but when am I actually going to get into full-time ministry? What is this? Why am I not getting out of business and into <laughs> full-time ministry? And in 2018, the Lord told me, Prudence, you are in full-time ministry mm. and you have been in full-time ministry. So the Lord was telling me that um, your Pattern is business and Bible, meaning that you've always been all this dissatisfaction of, Lord, I want to get out of one thing and into another. No, the pattern is that those 80% of believers, what you are doing, Jenna, in your marketplace, God wants us to be there. And there's lots of scriptures in the Bible, like Acts 17, 17, where Paul is in the marketplace daily, where Jesus is in the marketplace in Mark 6, verse 56, where the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees are in the marketplace. Mm. So this concept of us locking ourselves in the church is just not scriptural, it's not biblical. You have to be where the people are. And that is why you can have 10 churches in a community. The community is not touched. The community is not affected. Why? Because people, we are in the church singing and evangelizing ourselves whilst Jesus said the Great Commission go out into all the world and make disciples of all nations. And we are not doing that. So I'm passionate about the marketplace ever since the Lord opened my eyes to see that. And he said to me, that is the mandate that I have. So mm -hmm. I'm now going around to tell people about marketplace ministry, but it's not something new. It sounds new because of how we've been churched before. So that is, you can hear how passionate I am about this, right? 
Absolutely. And Prudence, you do have over 20 years HR management experience as well. So um, with all your education and all the Bible schooling and the anointing and the calling, you're perfectly equipped to be doing this. I do want to ask you, as an HR professional then and as a woman of God, what's your advice for people in the corporate world, in the marketplace on how to build a successful career so that you might be positioned to influence on behalf of the kingdom. Yeah. So, um, you know, how people to be placed is, first of all, to understand that God has placed you there. I think if because we don't understand that God has placed us there, we continuously are trying to get out of it and get into something else. And we don't see our work as sacred work. So our work that we do the everyday sacred work. So in uh, myself, I'm a director of Crystal Consulting, which is a human resource consulting organization. I sit with business leaders every day to bring transformation and engage employee engagement to their corporations. So I'm there. Yes, I bring that um, to the table, but I'm constantly listening to their heart. I'm constantly listening and looking at the culture. I'm constantly spiritually attuned to what exactly is happening there because I know it's not all in the textbooks that I, even though I've studied in, in universities across the world, it's not in those textbooks. It's, there is a spiritual element to what is happening in the, in the work environment. The statistics that we work with as HR professionals will tell you that 60% in the work environment are disengaged. That is why people always have been wanting to work from home. They are trying to escape from something because the, con- the work environment is contentious, is competitive, is combative. There is so much stress in the work environment. So I will tell people, first of all, understand why you are here. There, Go again with your full identity. You're a child of God. Now, if you're a child of God and you come into any environment, you must make a difference there. I always tell people when I arrive in any company and I, they have taken me on as a consultant to come and help them with HR. When I put my bags down, wherever they tell me to sit, I start to declare the kingdom of God has now come in this place. Mm. So I've come to be salt and light there. So if I know my mandate and the agenda, then I know I'm not there for salaries. I know I'm not there for my children's private schooling. I'm not there to buy my next car because I understand that the schooling, the cars, the promotions, they come as a result of me advancing the kingdom of God there. But if I come there for more money and all those other things, when the battle comes, who will come to support me? Who will keep me in that place? And that is why a lot of believers, pastor, pray for me. I have, pastor, pray for me. I was restrained. Pastor, pray for me. I'm out of my job. Because we don't understand why God has created a place and a space for you right there in the marketplace. Absolutely. Now, you're also hosting the International Marketplace Summit. We are running out of time, but I'd love for you to just talk us through what people can expect on the 4th of November. It's in Linbro Park in Santon. Incredible speakers you're having there. Yeah, so God has upgraded this conference and I'm excited about it. So we have a conference, um, it's called the Marketplace Champions Conference. We want to give visibility to those of us who are there championing the cause of Christ in the marketplace. Mm. So it's on the 4th of November, as you just mentioned. And this um, theme of this conference, because we had one earlier in the year, the theme of this end of year conference is stewarding kingdom wealth. Now, if you're a typical pastor, or you're going to ask your pastor, how many people are praying about finances or how many Uh, um, um, people come for counseling about finances. I don't have a job. I'm out of my job. My business is going down. My business had to close down. There's a a third of our prayers are in this ambit of 
um, finances. So mm. we want to talk about how to steward kingdom wealth. People don't understand. You know, we have prayed in church. We have fasted. We've done a lot of things. But we are, may not understand how to be good stewards. And the Bible tells us clearly, who will give you much if you are not a good steward of someone else's thing? Who will, if you are not serving in the church well, how is God going to give you your own church and your own ministry? If you are not serving another man well in the business, in the marketplace where you are, the company, you are a finance, you are an administrator, you are a personal assistant, you are a CEO. If you are not there stewarding that company well, how can you ask God, Lord, I need a global business. Father, I want to go. No, we have to be good stewards. So this conference is about that. We want to put in your hands the keys to unlock your kingdom wealth. And listen, I'm not talking about riches. I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about wealth. It's time for us to step out and go into the marketplace for total takeover. So yes, we have got international speakers coming. Dr. Marino um, is coming to come and talk to us about that. What are the keys to unlock that kingdom wealth? We've got Reverend Shade. She's always talking about God's economy. So she's well known over the nations coming to talk. There's an economy of God. So some people, we are in the world economy, but there's an economy of God that is completely insulated from all the things that are happening in what we are seeing around the world. Then Brandon um, Raja is also coming and he's going to also talk to us, help us to talk about those businesses that we may have started. They are not functioning anymore. Maybe you close it down. Maybe the timing wasn't right. Maybe you thought God didn't call you. God may have called you, but the enemy just really so much um, 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 contention against your business and it didn't work out. It is time for you to resuscitate that business again because uh, it is time for your kingdom wealth. Then Piet Kruger is going to come and talk to us. He's a reward specialist and he's going to talk to us about how do we negotiate? You know, it's so difficult. People all the time in the corporate world, when they go from one job to another, they don't know how to negotiate salaries. So Piet is a reward specialist. He's going to talk to us about how to negotiate total reward packages. Because sometimes we also think, I'm a Christian. Am I greedy? Do I have to get so much money? Uh, you know, am I being unreasonable? Let us come and let us be equipped and empowered to come Amen. in the marketplace. And then we also have a doctor who's coming who's going to talk to us about kingdom wealth. So our doctor is, um, um, Dr. Malebo, is also going to talk to us about how do you steward mm -hmm. kingdom wealth. Health is wealth. And she's going to talk to us about if your health is not intact, you cannot even begin to fulfill your God assignment. And so I know that. I am just from a mission in Ghana. I am feeling like I need to rest some more because it doesn't matter how anointed I am. It, it may, if my health is not intact, I cannot fulfill my God assignment. So yes, come Absolutely. and don't miss this conference. Don't miss this conference. There you have it. The 4th of November. Tickets are available on Quicket. Thank you so much. We're unfortunately out of time. Great conversation. Uh, there, Reverend Prudence Mochumi, we can't wait to speak to you again. God bless you and the incredible work that you do in the marketplace. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me and thank you to the listeners.